at the end of that tape, when I picked my jaw up off the floor and I said, if they can screw us this bad here, what the heck else is happening that we don't know about? That's where I started. And he'd say, the only way I can protect my liberty is to help you protect yours. So what I'm doing here is very selfish oriented. And I protect it, and the best way I can protect it is to help other people find theirs, and then we become a group of strong individuals and not a herd of weak animals, okay? And that's their fear, is us. They've got one fear. They've got plenty of money, plenty of influence, even some power that they can buy and control, but they're scared of one thing, and that's us collectively. If you are like me, you are constantly searching for the best solutions to keep you and your family healthy. We all know that diet and exercise is important, but unfortunately, diet and exercise is not enough in today's toxic and nutritional deficient environment. No matter how much you try to eat healthy, soils depleted of minerals will not produce sufficiently nourishing food. That's why we have carefully curated products on the controlyourhealth.care website that keep you fully nourished. The Healthy Foundation Pack for those wanting a complete nutritional program, the On The Go Pack for those looking for a more convenient yet quality solution, and the plant-derived minerals for those on a budget who need more for your money. Starting at less than $30, you can get what our bodies lack the most, and that's minerals. The plant-derived minerals contain up to 77 minerals from prehistoric plants in their unaltered colloidal form, which will give you nourishment you just cannot find in today's food. The price does not mean less quality. Far from it. Plant-derived minerals are also in the complete nutritional program, and these minerals are what our foods lack most. Plus, it comes in tasty flavors for the entire family to enjoy. So, if you're on a tighter budget, plant-derived minerals are for you. You can find links for these and many other products at controlyourhealth.care or at sarahwestall.com slash shop. See, that's the problem is okay. using these, this language crap that they put on us. I, I oh, honestly, yeah. I got to tell you, I want to fix this eventually in my lifetime. Maybe I'll die without being able to, but I don't like the fraud. I just, I, I, the fraud, this well, is just not well, let's okay. let's get rid of it. Well, we got to get rid of it in a bigger it. way, but... Go okay. Ahead. We got to understand it first. Yeah. Then we got to get the guts to address it, and then you got to get empowered to be able to defend your new position. That's what I try and do. Yep. Okay? Perfect. All right. So let's go back to the feudal system here. All right. So that is the voluntary nature that you're in in this voluntary servitude. That you go, I didn't volunteer for anything. Right. Exactly. Well. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Kind of. Well, you just you didn't know. Volunteer. You weren't smart enough to know it when you're 18, well, but go yeah. ahead. All right. Well, let's go back to where it happened because I get the question occasionally. When did they switch this? Or when did they switch it? How about March the 9th, 1933? Okay, that's the bankruptcy of the United States. You remember, mm -hmm. everybody should remember that that's when FDR took the gold, right? Yep. So let's go back now that we've got an idea of this twin Con conceptual levels that we're working on, let's go to the legal level of that incident and look at it and see what happened, okay? Before that, we used real, real, uh, excuse me, I'm hiccuping from lunch. We, we used the real definitions of, of uh, money, gold and silver, because that's what we used to use in commerce, right? Roosevelt yes. took it away, okay? Well, why did we get to use gold and silver back then? It was that's part of the we Constitution, were still free people. right? 
Well, because we were still free people and no one had a property right in us. So we could literally buy things because property can't own property. So obviously, if we could buy things, we weren't oh, property. Now you're, uh, you're explaining and something. And so, ah, okay. so we, could, we could use real money to pay bills and buy things that we could own because we weren't property. Right. And that's why they claim they own frickin' everything because this is they own we're not able to own anything. I hate these people. That's correct. And the word hate is and good. So after March in this after this March, context. After, go ahead. In in March ninth of nineteen thirty three, they changed the system. And you can go back again, look into uh, go look in Black's Law Dictionary. And I encourage people to go look at this stuff. Don't just take my word for it. Because if you take my word for it, it's some guy on the radio telling you something. If you go look it up, you own it. You looked at it with your eyes. It's yours, okay? I agree 100%. It's, it's not, I heard this guy say it. It's like, I went and looked at this, man. Look at this. And you stick it under somebody else's nose, right? Well, we need okay? people to look it up themselves and understand it. Absolutely. Well, you make yeah. the information yours, pure and simple. So under the bank holiday in 1933, it says the bank closed for five days. They reopened under the regulations issued by the Secretary of the Treasury. Do you know there wasn't a Secretary of the Treasury before them? Really? Uh, there, was a, there was a Treasurer of the United States, mm. but there wasn't a Secretary of the Treasury. You know, you can go into the United States Code and it says the Secretary of Treasury is the governor of the fund. The what? What fund? The fund? What fund? Yeah. How about the International Monetary Fund in bankruptcy? Hmm. So basically it's owned, okay. but this is where it ties back to what the ownership is. Well, the, this uh, is where they did the stuff? dirty work. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So what they did was at that point they switched the systems and they did it by switching the money. And the money is the telltale. If you understand some of this technical stuff, it tells you what happened. We reopened five days later under regulations by the new secretary of the treasury, but we didn't have gold anymore. We still had some silver. They couldn't get it all at one point. They just got the main stuff because contracts had a gold settlement clause in them. Okay. And so they had to get all those out of all the contracts. All right. And after that date, when they reopened up, we had these nice federal reserve notes with the little all seeing eye and the pyramid on the back, mm. Novus or a Sakura, <laughs> yep. which we now know is debt. Right. And why did we switch from real money to debt money? Because now we were the object of their property rights in a hypothecated fraudulent bankruptcy. And because now we're property, we can't own anything and we can't pay for anything. So we have to discharge debts instead of pay for them. And you discharge a debt with other debt and you can control things like your car and your house, but you can't own it. That's why you got a certificate of title. And if you don't pay your taxes on your house, it gets sold on the courthouse steps. And that was the change of the system. And what they did at that point was stick everyone and institute this feudal system, which was set up with the 14th Amendment, okay? And they put everybody into it. And since then, it's ran generationally, just like it did in the feudal system in a silent contract, generation to generation. That's why when mom had the baby, they said, this baby's our property, because the parents were in that condition. They'd never volunteered out, and any children they had were born into the same condition. Well, it wasn't them That's that what's said going it. on. It wasn't them. It was some, it, it, was, a it was a useful idiot for them that said it well well even even in the baby cyrus we got to all make sure we're not useful idiots for them but keep going well uh, 
Well, all you got to do now, and I mean, I'm going to take you to a document in a minute that's going to show you, and I want you to go to it, and I want to give the address for the audience because I want them to go to it too, okay? And uh, that's why the, uh, the, they said the, at Baby Cyrus, this baby's our property, okay? It's his property of the state of Idaho. We're all property. And it's not the Social Security number that did it. It's none of those other things. It's this operation of bringing the feudal system underneath. Before we go over there, let's go. You mentioned a minute ago birth certificate. Yes. Now, let's go into the birth certificate, okay? This is very interesting here. This is the result of one of my really good, aggressive students' work, all right? Uh, he was a four-year scholarship football player at the University of Texas. He's fearless. And he heard me first on Joyce Riley years ago. I was on Joyce's several times. Joyce and I were personal friends. And, um, and, and then he started following it and learning it. And so he did two really important things, one in Idaho with a driver's license. But this birth certificate thing, the, he and his wife and his two daughters moved back to Austin. And so he's really hung up on this birth certificate thing, like a lot of our people are. They consider these things, a Social Security number, a, a birth certificate, to be what gets you into the system. But that's not right. They represent the condition. They don't create the condition. The cre condition is created at birth. So this is what he found out. So he's, uh, he's a pretty sharp guy, and he goes down. He has his two daughters in tow. He goes down to the hospital. They were both born in the same hospital. And he goes up to the third floor of the administrative building. He's got on cutoffs, flip-flops, T-shirt, very casual. And he goes on with the cover story of, I'm building a folder for my daughters here. You know, I got them with me. And I'm trying to put all of their important papers in one place so later on in life they need to access any of this. They can find it real easily without having to search for it. And the, the lady bought it. It's a pretty good cover story. Okay. And so she's fumbling around, and she goes back and comes back and goes back. And finally, after a number of minutes, she comes back with this sheet of paper called a verification of facts. And it's a sheet of paper that's generated when the child is born. It's got all the specifics, you know, the eye color, hair color, weight, little footprints, handprints, all that stuff. And there's places at the bottom to be signed by the mother and the father. But it wasn't signed. And so finally he keeps asking her a bunch of questions and she goes, look, she gets aggravated with him, I guess, you know, and goes, look, I'm going to send you down to the office in the basement that takes care of this. Okay. Okay, great. So he goes down the basement, a lot different from the third floor, gets into the office. He gets up to the counter. Lady comes to the counter and tells her what he's after. Same cover story. And she goes, wait a minute. And she goes away for about 10 minutes. And Sarah, when she came back, the first words out of her mouth were, you're not going to hold anything I tell you against us, are you? Wow, okay. No guilt there, right? All right. So here's the process. When a child is Well, wait born, a minute. What did he say at that point? <laughs> what he goes, well, well he said, I don't okay, know. Well, Maybe. No, you know, of course not. I would never do anything like yeah, okay. that. As he's writing up a lawsuit and wanting to sue him, right? So anyway, uh, this is the process that she told him. It happens. It, ha it must happen in every hospital, every birthing hospital in the United States. So when the child comes out of mama's womb, this paper is the first thing that's generated. After it's generated and not signed by the parents, again, remember, we're bringing the feudal system in here. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't it be signed by the parents? Because then they'd be assigning the parents and the lineage of their blood instead of this system. So they don't sign it because they're already in a condition of servitude because they never get it's present presumption of law that they're in it. They never volunteered out. So they're still in it voluntarily. And because they're still in it and they have the child, the child's born into it.
It's just that simple. Okay. So they take the verification of facts with all the information. They take it over, and I get this, Sarah. I want you to pay close attention. They take it over to the computer terminal that's placed in every hospital by the federal government. Very simplistic software. They input all of the data. The data is then transferred. This comes from their mouth. The data is then transferred to the Bureau of Vital Statistics, where the birth certificate is generated and put in an armed guard bank safe with armed guards 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This is because we're worth money on the trading bonds system. All right. Here's where, here's where law comes in. Okay. I want every one of you to some, you don't have to do it right now, but you, you write it down or go back and listen to this later. I want you to go to a search engine and put in this term, a warehouse receipt, warehouse receipt. A warehouse receipt is a law merchant document. Okay. Merchant law document. And it's got some really, really interesting characteristics. And the document, the warehouse receipt, actually takes on the quality of the good. And you can go back in old court cases. The one that we were studied when I was in John's classes was in the 1770s. And it was about a bale of cotton. Bales of cotton are not fungible, which means they're not all the same. Okay. And so rather than haul around a hundred plus bale of cotton, a cotton around, you write a paper and you can carry the paper around and trade the cotton, even though it's in the warehouse by simply handing the signing over the warehouse receipt to another owner. But so isn't the that paper takes, isn't that what they did with gold? And that's how they're doing our fiat currency. Yes. yes when yes, it was gold yes, back yes, currency. When, okay. Remember uh, 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 global uh, Corzines MF global. Remember that fiasco? Yeah. Okay. Well, I saw an article when that was going on from the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. One of those traders comes on. There's a headline. He couldn't have stolen the gold. We've got the warehouse receipt. <laughs> so what okay. happened? Okay, go ahead. All right. Hold on. All right. I'm going to finish up. See, now we've got the warehouse receipt that the birth certificate doubles as. It yeah. has to, or they wouldn't put it in an armed guard safe for 24-7. Exactly. Now they attach that. Does the word bond ring a bell? Do you know that bond is the root word of bondage? Oh, uh, okay, yep. So now they attach the birth certificate because it's constructive possession of you and your future labor, and they attach that as collateral to the bonds. The bond market is 10 times bigger than the stock market. Okay. And that's and why they have armed guards because it correct. is worth, we're worth so much flipping money, but keep correct. going. And they go out and sell the bonds, you know, six months, yeah. one year, five year, 10 year, 30 year, whatever on these open bond markets. And your taxes are collected to pay the coupon payment to the bondholders. Okay. Well, what pays for? Where do our taxes, our taxes don't do anything for us. What pays for the roads to, and for the simple things we do have? Well, well, okay. Well, let's go into taxes because there's two different types of taxes. You know, this is another big subject. We could do a whole two hours on it, you know. 
There's yeah. two types of taxes, direct and indirect. One's called excise. The other's called capitation taxes or direct taxes. Okay, And the ones that pay for your roads and whatever are excise taxes, indirect taxes that come off of you buying gasoline and the federal tax involved in every gallon that you buy. Or when okay? you go get, now, indirect get a taxes, license plate or whatever. something. Whatever, any of those things, there's okay. all, and the thing, there's two differences. Indirect taxes have to be uniform, and direct taxes have to be apportioned. Now, that's a check and balance the forefathers put into the country. We've overridden it with a progressive income tax, okay? What does uniform mean? It means that the percentage of, of federal tax you're paying on a gallon of gasoline in Minnesota is the very same as on, that's on Texas if you're right next to the refinery. Everywhere in the country, that percentage, it may not be the same tax, but the percentage is the same and it's uniform. Now, okay. the other one is direct taxes, and they're called capitation or head taxes because they're on the body. All right. Now, the census was partially put into the Constitution for this because they have to be apportioned, which means everybody has to pay the same. So if the census had to know how many people were in each state, so if there was a direct tax, they could assign it appropriately to the amount of people because there's different amount, numbers of people in each state. And it had to be set up that way. So here's the reason. Let's say that we're going along under that system and they pass a direct tax and it's $5 for last year. Well, I said, okay, $5 isn't too much. I think we can handle it. And the next year they come back and they pass one for $500. And because everybody has to pay the same, you're going, what the hell are they doing up there in Washington? You start asking questions, see? Yep. That's why they had to overcome that with the progressive income tax, where they can manipulate not only the amount you pay, but who they can enforce it on selectively, et cetera. Okay. Okay. So back to this bond issue. It's the bonds that underwrite all of this. The way that they come up, like these $100, $100 billion we just gave to Ukraine. So Biden could get his 10%. That's about right. That's just sad. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to make you throw up. I'm, I really am. You <laughs> sad. Put, it's probably you put a little levity. You got to put a little levity in here. You know, yeah, you got to well. laugh. Or cry. The good news is I got a remedy for you and it works. Okay. Well, but so, I, I still want to, I, I want to get to the point of, okay. So, cause I've been told many times that none of our taxes goes to us it goes to the pope and it goes to all these idiots who own us no no it goes to pay the bondholders it go, you but you're saying it goes to pay, yeah, pay the bondholders and the bondholders are these families whoever. and these wealthies right well whoever's there's probably some good individuals that are honest that don't know any different they're just an investment they got oh, that some kind of yield on these things and you see and if we could ever get control here we could go back and isolate those because the qsip number on the bonds is how they assign the payments so we could literally take the qsip we could ever get in the bowels of the treasury and get access to all this stuff you could go back and trace the qsip number and if a whole bunch of them end up at rio tinto mines you know it's the rothschilds and you go, this is fraud. We ain't paying you. Yeah. But if it's Joe Blow over there, the poor guy, the little old mom that invested in U.S. savings bonds, you know, well, we don't want her going out hungry and starving. We'll pay her. I get it. Okay. Okay. So, okay. but so that all goes to the paying the bonds. What in the excess taxes goes, which is a small amount, goes to paying the okay. roads and the gas tax. No, 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 no. Those. 
No, no. That's that. This is all coming from income tax. It's directly slated to this application of bonds. All that other stuff comes from the taxes that you pay on indirect taxes when people buy gasoline and buy whatever else is taxable. They're two different types. You know? Okay, wait, wait, the, wait, wait, wait. Your let income me, let tax doesn't. Let me, your income okay. tax doesn't pay the road that your car rides no, on. No, I know. That's what I just said. So the income tax pays for the bonds. The excess taxes pays for the roads and the, the other things. The, the uh, ex excise. Excise. excess. Okay. Excise. Well, I never claimed okay. to be smart. So, ex excise well, okay. taxes. I, mean, I, I knew the concept. Are... I just say words wrong. I have one person who gets so mad at me because I say the word nuclear wrong. And I I, yeah. I said it wrong again, but and he gets so <laughs> mad at me. So well, I did that okay. again. I get it a little bit off my mom, but my mom's worse. She calls Chipotle. She calls it Chipotle. I'm like mom, and then we give her crap forever over it. At least I'm not as bad as she is. <laughs> I would I would okay. never go eat at Chipotle. I don't know. About you. <laughs> we give her crap forever. Um. She's never gonna live that one down. <laughs> so anyway, back to this bond and stuff. If you want to verify this, there was a great commission called the grace commission you ever heard of them the great yes, peter grace and I, for my members at ebonier i uploaded a copy the best i could get of the grace commission report it's up there for people who want it and and of course reagan commission i guess he knew peter grace and he commissioned him as a commissioner for this and he went out and did a whole bunch of research and interviewed people and came back and he wrote this report the grace report you can find it on the internet and in that he said not one nickel of your income tax goes to the day-to-day -day running of the country Really? Well, where the heck does it go? Yeah. It goes to pay these bondholders because bond is the root bird of bondage. And they've got you in bondage and they've collateralized your future income so they can go back and borrow money from them in advance and pay them out over time. That's what's going on. And that's why I want that ended. we got to figure out how to end it. People can learn see, enough. They go in. Because we got to get enough people to learn about it so we can end it. But keep going. Well, Sarah, this is where you can help me out because you got the connections to some of these other people that have shows like yours with huge audiences that I've been unable to reach. And what we really need here is numbers. We just need numbers, okay? And it takes time. We got enough people now that are starting to figure this out who are well, like, okay, what the heck is going on? So we just got to get as many people as we can educated. I've sent this information to you before, but it goes right over people's heads because it doesn't, it looks on the surface like, oh yeah, sure, on to the next thing. But this is really substantive. Well, here, okay? no, the other this thing is, this is the is, crux of the matter. The other thing is, busy. we get bombarded with reason. people who all claim of course they you do. have. They, they have the, course, answer, the answer and that we're stupid yeah. and the people that are, I mean, I, yeah. I can't, it's incredible what you get behind the scenes from people, but you know, well, I, I, I do. I'm a host too. And I know that, but, well, I do. Well, I'm, I'm a little more targeted cause I've got answers and I'm real specific and I understand what this is, you know? So I have a little bit more of a zone zoned in on truth and, uh, than people like yourself do that are confused about all this stuff because then you don't know and everything's ambiguous and it's incredibly confusing. It's been set up that way to fool you intentionally, okay? But it's really, really simple. They've put you into a fraudulent position in this condition and you've agreed to it and given them your consent. And now all you got to do is withdraw your consent and they recognize it. That's how simple this is. Well, no, but the problem I have beyond but that now explain it to people like that. is that because so many other people who are in the system don't understand it, I get worried that even if this is right, 
and I implement and I do everything right, you're going to, I'm going to get somebody who, who, which is the majority of people just with COVID, I couldn't even get relative, my basic people to, when I showed them facts to understand what was going on, let us, so, so many people yep. in the system yep. are going to implement this until they die, no matter what they're told or, or learn about. Well, I'd love, I wish I could help them, but if they're not open mind, you know, there's an old saying, the mind's like a parachute. It only works when it's open. If they're not <laughs> looking for the answer, you can't beat this into them. Okay. Yeah, and I've tried subject to and, them. If they're the, you were subject to how they respond to you and you could be, you have to deal with well, those guys. Really. Well, I don't have to No, but you know but, what you I'm know, saying? I mean, if they want to, well, well, I'm going to show you that both of these statuses are equal. Okay. Okay. And so you're just choosing the other one from the one you've been tricked into. All right. And, so and the authorities at a certain point, all the authorities know this at a certain level, the judges and people know oh, absolutely. this. Absolutely. And they've all been acting fraudulently. At what point do they? Well, yes. And yes. And no. How do they not? Why is there a no? If they know this, how could they not because, be fraudulent? Because of the power and pressure that's on them. And those, let's take uh, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Okay. Honest, probably the best chief justice up there. He's a Georgia boy from Pinpoint, Georgia. Okay. And so uh, I heard him talking to a um, Harvard. Uh, a Harvard school, they have just different justices come up to Harvard and they get the students in there and they have them talk to them and they can ask them questions. Okay. And I saw this Clarence Thomas, I particularly admire. All right. And, uh, he, somebody asked him about how they decide a case if it's constitutional versus administrative. Isn't that interesting? And Clarence Thomas went into a pretty long explanation. He said, well, you know, if it's uh, if it's uh, uh, an administrative case, we may occasionally do an end run and go back to the original intent of the legislation. Now, if you're not having to know something about this, about the only way you can ever get a regulation overturned is to go back to the original intent of the legislation and show how the administrative state has dramatically changed it. And that can get a regulation out. Okay. And then he said, but if it's a constitutional matter, it's a little bit different story. So Clarence Thomas sitting up there knows the difference between an administrative remedy and a constitutional remedy. Now, here's another thing that involved Clarence Thomas. Remember when uh, Trump uh, uh, nominated Amy Conan Barrett and she got confirmed? Yeah. And that night, the day of the confirmation, they swore her in in the Rose Garden that night, right? Yep. And Clarence Thomas swore her in, and I watched it, and she gave an oath to uphold the laws of the United States. That's the oath he gave her, and not the United States of America, and there's your difference. The United States is the federal with the administrative agency deep state. The United States of America is the collective states together in the old form of government. So she made an oath to the deep state, not to the country. Correct. Correct. And that he, was the oath she was given by, by Clarence Thomas. Yeah. But if he didn't do that, I mean, that's what they don't feel that they can make a difference. That, a lot of people the, don't feel they can make the, a difference. It's because we're in bankruptcy and we're being controlled by the International Monetary Fund. That's the reason. That's the reason all this is happening. When did we go into bankruptcy? I thought we went into bankruptcy. March in what, the ninth. March Pardon the ninth of nineteen thirty-three. March okay, the ninth. Okay, since 9th then. Okay, and then we went into bankruptcy again, though, okay. recently. 
Well, well, they keep continuing it, you know. Oh, okay. Because uh, I saw one uh, the latest but, in 2019 or 2018. But they just, it was just continuational. It, there's a very good group of research that was done in the 90s by a veterinarian from eastern Colorado named Eugene Schroeder. And you can go look this up. I'm pretty sure it's still available on the Internet. Schroeder's spelled just like it sounds. And it was called the Trading with the Enemy Act. Have you ever become familiar with that at all, Sarah? Well, I've heard of it, of course, but I don't, I'm not familiar with it okay. enough to, well, uh, let again, me tell one you of those things happened. that well, I'm dangerous. Okay, well, that was the bankruptcy. He's talking about the bankruptcy, March 9th of 1933. And one of the things they did is they took an old piece of legislation from 1917 and World War I called the Trading with the Enemies Act. And the enemy that was identified in that legislation was the Germans. Mm -hmm. And when they re-brought it forward and instituted it in, in 1933, they took Germans out and they substituted citizens of the United States. Jeez. Technically, our government has been at war with us since that happened. Oh, jeez. There's so much we need to fix here. Yeah. Well, the best way you can fix is to undo it because you can remove yourself from it. And then unless they want to be open tyrants, you're not going to get messed with them again. Okay. So let's see. Normally I've got an order here. You and I are having more of a conversational discourse and it's kind of messed up my order a little bit. Here. Okay. Let's you go can't, to. I got to give you crap because you said you wanted to have more of a conversation. Well, <laughs> Which I, do, I love I having. I, 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 That's I, how I appreciate I'm not, it. I'm not I'm not complaining. I'm just making a comment. Okay, no, I so know. I'm just uh, let me go to where I was going to go. Let me go. I knew I was going to throw you off. Go. As soon as you told me you were going to do that, no, I'm like, okay, it. well, he's in trouble. Okay, boy, am I going to mess with him. All right, let's go here. <laughs> uh, everybody, if you're in front of your computer, this is where I'd like you to go. And Sarah, I'd like for you to go there okay. too. Because I want you, because I want you to read. I've been looking all this stuff up leave. as you've been doing it. Okay. I sent you some exhibits. You know, I think it's exhibit number five is that link down there, and the um, the website I'm going to send you to here is the State Department website, okay. and it's travel.state.gov. Travel.state.gov. Now, when that website pops up, there's a search field up there at the top right. And I'd like for you to type this in certificate. That's a long word. So if you're a two finger typer, I'll repeat it here. Certificate of non-citizen nationality. The name of the document we're looking for is a certificate of non-citizen nationality. Okay. My thing's taking now, forever to come up. Hold on. Maybe okay, when it comes blur. up, you'll have a couple of options there. Well, there we yeah, go. Everybody's going on the same. Okay, certificate okay, so of, you, what did you say again? So everybody knows. Non-citizen, non-citizen nationality. And there's probably several versions there. Just click on the top one. You can click on any of them. All right. Have you got that, Sarah? Certificate of non-citizen nationality. Well, while you're getting it up, let me give you some background here. I got it. Okay, good. But well, you get some background. I'm sure other people are needing some time. Okay, well, I'm going to give you some background here, and we'll repeat it again. Travel.state.gov and Certificate of Non-Citizen Nationality. And what this is is a policy statement from the State Department. So I guess when they're making policy statements, they 
know what they're talking about? Is that a safe assumption? No, but so, sort of. Well, anyway, well, well what we're doing is <laughs> we'll we're never make that assumption. But go ahead. For these, well, for these people called non-citizen nationals, all right? Now, they're a real specific category, political status. And it's only people that are born on American Samoa or Swain's Island, okay? A little bitty idyllic island that Gilligan would have liked to have landed on, okay? And so people that are born on those islands are labeled non-citizen nationals. Now, why is that? And the reason is because they're nationals, but they are not born as 14th Amendment birthright citizens. So they've got to, if they want to achieve that political status, they have to naturalize to be a citizen of the United States, but they're born nationals called non-citizens because they can't be 14th Amendment citizens. And this policy document that we've brought up here is addressing that. And what they say is, you know, we used to, we've had a lot of requests for this certificate showing you're a non-citizen national, but Sarah, you know how physically conscious our federal government is. And because the price of the paper and the price of the ink that we use to print these certificates has gotten so absorbent that we're just suggesting you go get a passport basically is what it says. Okay. Okay. And then there's some verbiage underneath it. But what I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you, remember they're telling a lie here because they've set up this particular political status of these American Samoans to cover the old state citizen that they now term as a national. So you've got the non-citizen nationals in front and behind them hidden very, very skillfully is just the national, which is nothing but the old state citizen, which was the original citizen of the country. All right. I know that's confusing. Okay. It is. You'll get it okay. here in a second. So to be able to carry off the lie, they've got to tell the truth. And this is a rare, rare example where you're ever going to hear these lion sons of Belial tell the truth, especially in print. All right. So what I'd like for you to do for the audience and for me, Sarah, is to go to the third paragraph and read the first 10 words. It says section 308. Is that what you wanted me to read? No, 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 no. The third paragraph of the body of the letter up there. As defined by INA? That one right there. Okay, yeah. I was at the fourth INA, one. Let me okay. preface. INA is the Immigration and Naturalization Act. Okay, so. as defined by the Immigration and Naturalization Act, all U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals, but only okay. a relatively... Okay, that's all you need. That's all you need. All, is it, didn't it say all U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals? Yep. Okay, all, does that mean everybody? Pretty much? Yep. Okay, well, let me ask you these questions, Sarah. Have you ever been asked if you're a U.S. national? No, nope. they just ask if you're a U.S. citizen. Well, well, it says right there. It says right there that did you know you had a dual political status? No. Well, if they haven't asked you if you're a U.S. national, why haven't they asked you? It's right there in black and white. It's the same thing. Well, it's because they don't want to ask you on those questions. Sarah, are you a citizen of the United States or a national? Because then somebody goes, well, what the heck's a national? Yep. See, this is where the fraud starts is non-full disclosure. 
they have gone in and made these statuses exactly the same. And I can go into the legal background on that if you want to or at some point. They made them both the same so they can pull this stunt off. Now, they did that. I'll go ahead and give you the background on it. Okay. It's a, a, a great case. It's very pivotal. You've never heard one other legal researcher in our community ever mention it because they don't understand what's going on. Okay. Okay. And that case was from 1894. And it's styled Plessy versus Ferguson. Have you ever heard of Plessy? Nope. It's a fascinating case, okay? Plessy was on to try and challenge the Jim Crow laws. The Jim Crow laws, separate facilities for different races, came into effect after the 14th Amendment because the 14th Amendment was passed primarily for blacks. Mm -hmm. And it brought blacks off the southern plantation and it put them on the federal plantation in a different form of slavery from the feudal system hidden underneath it that nobody's ever understood. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so people got tired of that. And after 25 years, there was a newspaper in new Orleans. I don't remember the name of it, but it was a very progressive newspaper and they raised uh, $3,000. They had a long reach and they raised $3,000 to challenge the Jim Crow laws. So they went out and they found Plessy. Now this was in new Orleans. It was in Louisiana and it was dealing with an in, Trust state, not inter, intrust state railroad. It just ran inside the state of Louisiana, so it didn't bring federal jurisdiction into the question. Okay. Okay. Just state. And so they went out and they found Plessy. They had to search for Plessy because Plessy was nine tenths white and one tenth black. Oh, geez. Okay. And they brought him to the train station. They hired the guards to arrest him. They had their newspaper and the rest of the newspapers alerted. And they ran Plessy in and put him in the white-only railroad car. They arrested him. It went to state court in Louisiana. The first case uh, judge that went up against ruled against him, and his name was Ferguson. So they enjoined him in the case and took it all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court, you know how they have thumbnail descriptions of Supreme Court decisions? Yeah. Right? And the thumbnail description for the Plessy case is separate but equal. Okay? So you black restrooms, white restrooms, black dining cars, et cetera, et cetera. How can those be equal? They can't be. Yep. Well, they're equal in the respect that they both had a political status, uh, but one was servient to the other. It was another game. So that went along. Another game, okay, and that went along. It went all the way through World War II. You know, we had total black squadrons and regiments in the yep. army that were nothing but blacks. It was still operable, Jim Crow in World War II, okay, and they overturned Jim Crow in 1954 with a very famous case called Brown versus Board of Education. Yep. Remember that? Yep. Okay. They started bussing kids on the other side of Little Rock, the other. Everybody got all in, up in arms. Case went to the Supreme Court. They came back. By the way, the guy that prosecuted uh, the case or uh, for for uh, the uh, a moving party was Thurgood Marshall, who was the head attorney for the NAACP, who was then named a Supreme Court justice. Mm-hmm. A little mm-hmm. board for his efforts. Okay. And so they came back in Brown versus Board of Education, and the thumbnail description is equal in the classroom, equal in the society. That's where they overturned Plessy and they made both of the statuses equal, but they gave us the thumbnail on the bottom one equal in the classroom, equal in the society, because everybody was focused on black 
kids in the in, in the white schools. They could have just as easily said, when it would be totally correct, equal in the white country club, equal in the society, because they had made both statuses equal, just like that document you just read says. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now they had to do that, and I'm as I'm figuring this out a few years ago and putting it together. This is a process, okay? Uh, I tell everybody, the event is when you got exposed to this today, and the process is you trying to figure it out and unravel it the rest of your life because you're going to be dealing with it for years. Oh, that's why that's like that. Oh, that word is one of those equivocated words he was telling me about. That happens from here on out, okay? And so six, I, I kept 54, 54, 54, 54. What the heck else happened in 1954 that was so important? Bingo! I went and looked it up. They couldn't even wait 60 days, Sarah. They couldn't wait 60 days after Brown versus Board of Education to put the 1954 Internal Revenue Code in place. And that's what we're under today from those bunch of thieves. Mm -hmm. Because they got the system all taken care of. Now they slip the code in. Bam. They got you. Well, the IRS... Yeah, well, we're never we're we're not going to get rid of taxes per se, but we sure could make it that the ta- we'd be paying a hell of a lot less okay. if the taxes right. actually well, went to help us. Oh, and we it would be a totally different situation. Okay, well let's go in and let's go into that little sticky little wicked area. Okay, IRS, IRS. First of all. You know, a law is generally brought up in the House or the Senate, passed by both bodies, signed by the Congress, and it goes through three separate books of law books down to the administrative state where they rewrite regulations, okay? Title 26 is IRS. Do you know that the IRS code was not passed by the Senate, nor was it signed by the president? No, I thought they they did the code like they did Jekyll Island thing, where they did it at Christmas time and... They signed it, but that wasn't true. Well, they they passed it. Well, they only had to pass it in the House because the House has exclusive jurisdiction over Washington, D.C. As scary as it is, Nancy Pelosi rules Washington, D.C., okay, because she's Speaker of the House. And since you're a federal citizen, since under the presumption of fraud that you agreed to by answering those questions, yes, you're a federal citizen. So that tax code, which was never applicable to the states, applies to you because you told them you're a federal citizen. So let's tell them you're not a federal citizen anymore. All right. Now, let's go into the tax code. And there's a lot of people that have spent a lot of time digging through these cumbersome, cumbersome, antiquated and burdensome regulations that are almost impossible to understand. Okay. Okay. And so what you do, this is one thing I've discovered in all my research about these guys. They always put the hook at the very first, all persons born. There it is in the 14th amendment. And I can name you a bunch of other places. I'm going to show you one right now. Okay. This is title 26. And and the 14th amendment, hold on. The 14th amendment was created after, after, um, it became the corporation back after the Civil War, right? Because no, no, for- no, no, it was before. No, it was before the corporation. The Fourteenth Amendment and the Thirteenth Amendment were passed in 1868. And okay? was that planning? And, was that a pre? Oh, it was planned. Okay, it was already, that was pre-planning. Planning. I would. I would guarantee you that those two amendments were written in the city of London and that the Civil War was fought so they could get them in the Constitution so they could control the world a hundred years later. That's the first thing you said okay. when you talk- so okay. That's right. 
Yes, sir. Okay. And, and so if you go back to that history there, the 13th Amendment was voted on in June, and they allowed the Southern legislators back into the Congress to vote on the 13th Amendment. But six months later, when they brought the 14th Amendment up, they wouldn't let them in. Okay. And so there's a difference. But if you go to the 14th Amendment, this is 1868. The uh, uh, D.C. was incorporated in 1871, and it was unincorporated a couple of years later, by the way. Okay. And that's according to Larry B. Craft's research. And B. Craft is a very good attorney. Okay. Why was Especially it unincorporated? What do you think happened there? I don't there? know. I don't, I, don't, I don't have any idea, but that's not the point I'm trying to make. Okay. Well, the point I'm trying to make is it's you just brought it all up. persons born. <laughs> go ahead. I know. I know. I'm just telling you. A no, little color, good. okay? All persons born or naturalized in the United States, comma, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. The jurisdiction, that's singular. If you go to the 13th Amendment, it says neither slavery nor involuntary servitude unless a person has been duly convicted of a crime shall exist in the, any of the states or their jurisdictions. It's plural. So the 13th Amendment, the reason they let the legislators in to vote on it was because it applied to the states. The 14th Amendment applied to the federal government, and it's the jurisdiction thereof. So one singular and the other's plural. There's the differences in the two governments right there in those two amendments, but people don't see it because they don't know what's happened. No, we don't. Okay. Interesting. Okay, so. Well, that's what I'm trying to do is, is educate on some of this so anyway let's go back to the irs but now are we under the jurisdiction of nancy pelosi i mean you just got done you kind of threw something yeah, out there that no, horrified well, everybody if, if you uh, all right let's put it if you haven't done this one way specifically you're under that you're under the presumption of law that that's that jurisdiction and you've agreed to it your whole life every time they ask you those two questions and then you sign something so we're all under nancy pelosi sorry okay well, not all of you. Well, the good news is you don't have to be if you don't want to be, okay?